Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Counting down in three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. We are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. podcast back at you with a lot to do you know we got into our official uh summer every other week as opposed to the every week rotation we've been doing for you guys during the season uh so we took a little time off to to recharge you know to to check and see where we were all going to fall in the uh nba draft projections we we talked to some agents talked to some talked to some gms really get a feel where we were going to go and we decided we're just going to come back and do another coast to coast with me as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Sean, how you living? I'm doing uh, doing really well. Yeah, how are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you asking. Sherelle rocking the traditional Chicago Bulls uh, colors tonight. <laughs> Real, how you feeling? I'm good. Another podcast where I can say I did not expect this to happen. So yeah, well here we go. Here we are. Let's let's dig into that news of the day. <laughs> broke a little earlier today, and look. I'm going to go ahead and say for all of the folks that were on the InsideCarolina.com message boards and on Twitter and just blowing up, is Caleb going to, is Caleb going to, I'm trying to tell you, Sherelle had it. He told you guys what his intel was telling him, Ben reinforced what intel was telling us, and everybody wanted to kind of poke and prod and not be patient, and look what happened. Caleb Love returning for his junior season in Chapel Hill. Sherelle, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, I have loved the videos these guys came out with, but can we just say the Jay-Z love from the Black Album has to put Caleb's video immediately at the top, yes? I, I was I was talking to someone, and they were like, who put that on there for Caleb? Because in 2004, was how, how Caleb was 20? Yeah. So in 2004, he, he was not old enough to remember that. So it was like, who, who did that for him? Hey, maybe his dad was playing at his, his nap time music. I yeah, don't know, but... so whoever did, salute to them. Because <laughs> us, us 35 and ups, we love that. So thank yes. you. Yes, that was, that was quite refreshing to hear that in his, in his announcement today. But, Cheryl, do you want to share a little bit about what you have learned about the process for Caleb and what led him back to – to say that he's going to be back in Chapel Hill to, as the kids say, be the get back gang or run it back. Yeah, I think uh, I think he knew what he wanted to do as soon as the title game was over. Um, but all the great coaches, you know, from Coach Smith to, you know, Ro Williams and and now uh, I'm sure with Hubert, they always tell you to get away from it and don't make an emotional decision. Uh, you know, there's the famous story about Sean May telling Roy Williams that he was going to come back, you know, for his senior season. He's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Um, you're you're going to be drafted too high. And so I think, like I said, as soon as the national championship game was over, I think Caleb was like, I'm coming back because I can't go out like this. But, you know, him and his family talked about it and, you know, they gathered feedback and uh, they talked to Hubert Davis and Hubert Davis and Pat Sullivan used their contact to talk to folks and just give them the the information that they needed to make a uh, a good decision. And from everything that we heard, Caleb absolutely would have been drafted. And I think that is not in question. It's just whether or not you want to take the chance of not going in the first round or not going in really those top 40 slots. Cause you know, it's not just the first round that's guaranteed anymore. Really, if you're a top 40 pick, I think you'll eventually get some kind of guaranteed contract. Now it might not always be exactly what you want, but right. you'll get one. And um, so there was that. I think Caleb's motivation the entire time. Uh, I don't need to tell you that he's confident and that he believes in himself. Uh, that, that is pretty much obvious. And so he, I believe, wanted to be higher and he believes he can make himself get picked higher um, with a good season, improving on some of the things that he's worked on or some improving on some of the things that he needs to work on. Um, so I think that was kind of the combination of all of it and, is that, yes, he would have been drafted, but, um, you know, he wanted to come back and, and make amends. He enjoys playing for this team. He wants to be able to show that he can do more things so he can get drafted higher. 
And frankly, as will be discussed, um, when you have a run like UNC did, you reap the rewards through NIL. And that's happening now. So all those were factors. Cheryl, I, I want to stay here real quick before I go to Sean for some some analytical discussion. How big is having a guy like Pat Sullivan on the staff now for situations like this where, you know, it used to be Roy would always pick up his his Rolodex. And I, I'm a firm believer that Roy Williams still used a Rolodex up until 2020, um, but would call the GMs and the people that he knew in the league. How big is it for UNC to now have a guy like Pat Sullivan who spent so much time in the NBA uh, on the staff now to help guys like Caleb Love kind of go through decisions like this? It's a position that you have to have now um, as far as uh, I think his official title is director of recruiting, but um, he's got, you know, that experience as an NBA person. So uh, it's, it's just something that is needed. It's something that was probably a little bit overdue in Chapel Hill, but he uh, probably has a more extensive Hopefully he doesn't have a Rolodex, but a more extensive uh, uh, Google Doc with different GMs and people that he can get information from, um, in addition to him just knowing the game, being an assistant coach in the NBA for so long. So um, I'm not going to say invaluable, but uh, really, really valuable. And also, uh, like Hubert Davis said, he is a Carolina guy, so he kind of gets, um, you know, how things work at UNC. Uh, so, yeah, very valuable for UNC to have him. Sean Shrill touched on it briefly, talking about, you know, Caleb's belief in himself in that he can go from a uh, I'm going to be drafted guy to a first round, even lottery type guy. What things do you think he needs to work on next season to get his game to that next level? Because we've heard Caleb say he wants to work on his own shot selection. Um, I, I think people on the North Carolina staff would like to see him be more aggressive in going to the basket uh, rather than settling for jumpers that he's proven he can make. In your mind, what are things that he needs to do individually to help himself? And then if you can parse that a little bit, what are some things you think he can do to make the team better next year? Yeah, I mean, one, I think just the decision, uh, you know, I, I mean, when we were doing two years ago over the summer, the fit articles, everything related to a guard had Caleb Love leaving after his freshman year. And it wasn't mm -hmm. so much because, you know, we thought, lottery draft pick but you know scout or 24 7 had had put him you know had jumped him up the rankings pretty high at the end and when you sit top 10 you almost feel the pressure uh to leave no matter what no matter what happens and yeah there are a lot of players in this class that have done really well already in the pros but there's also i feel guys year in and year out that that leave and they might not be ready and i think you know, you, it's always a great argument as to, well, do you get in and improve in the G League or on a two-way, or do you try to go when you're a little more more seasoned? And I think this will potentially help him uh, get into that first round, especially because now we're seeing in the second round, you know, even if it's early second round, a lot of those guys are, are going on two ways uh, rather than, than contracts. Um, but to answer the, the, the two questions, from an individual perspective, I think Last year, we saw how much his three-point shooting improved uh, just from, you know, he finished the year at 36%. Um, he was in the 40s for a good majority mm -hmm. of the year, but really more, I mean, one, his range was, was incredible. Some of the shots that how deep he did hit them, uh, the moves that he used uh, to hit them. So I think that was, you know, everybody saw <laughs> what he worked on, what he worked on last year. I think going into next year individually, you hit on it of, of attacking the basket and getting really all the way to the basket, which I think we saw in that UCLA game, the second half, which got him going, uh, St. Peter's and, and even Duke. Um, and to, you know, I know he was attacking at the end of the Kansas game, but I think, uh, you know, his two point percentage has really struggled uh, both, both seasons. And I think um, in large part the first year and even, uh, you know, his sophomore year, he would go into the lane, you know, maybe wasn't as fully explosive off of one foot or falling back or avoiding contact, really taking tough shots. But I think he he realized he can get all the way to the rim and, and finish, you know, against a, a team's opposing opposing big man. So we'd love to see him continue working on just getting and attacking uh, fully to the basket. Uh, you know, he's always been comfortable hitting the, the pull-up jump shot. I think, you know, continuing to to look for those, if, especially if teams are overplaying him. And then finally, you know, not something I think that he should utilize a whole lot, but 
continuing to work on kind of that floater and kind of five to five to 10 foot foot range game. Um, you know, something he, he hit in the Duke game. He hadn't really hit it all season. Didn't have it in the Kansas game, but once again, I think that that just kind of adds something else to his, to his arsenal. But I think from offensive perspective, if he can increase that two point percentage and reduce the turnovers, I think that will definitely help hit, you know, help his, his draft stock um, from a team perspective. I think we saw him definitely mature as, as the year went on. Um, you know, he was still prone to, to forcing the issue at, at times, but I think once again, with, uh, you know, the starters and players that they do have returning, there's kind of that extra, you know, trust in the teammates. And I think once again, just there won't be Brady Manic to help, you know, move that ball quick, but I think between him and RJ that they, now have a lot more trust and rapport with each other and just kind of continuing to to move the ball quickly and and make sure it's a team game while while being aggressive and being kind of that alpha dog that they need speaking of trust and rapport i can feel the rapport that we have built through this podcast because you're absolutely taking me right where i want to go with this follow-up question you know no manic but four out of the other four out of the five return how does this affect unc's offense next year do you still think it's going to be you know very much a four out, uh, one in. Let me rephrase that. It's going to be four out, one in, because that's what Hubert Davis wants to play. How does that change without having a sniper like Manic at the four? Uh, great question. I mean, I think over the summer, the two mo- two the two most important people are well, actually three are going to be Puff Johnson, number one. I think as of right now, kind of expected that he could step into that role, and once again, he does kind of have that that shot, you know, shot from the outside as well as, you know, a, a toughness that, you know, a lot of people probably didn't realize going into this season. But once again, that's a huge ask to say, hey, be, be Brady Manick mm-hmm. after this season, who, you know, I think was probably the, the team MVP just in terms of having that stretch uh, ability as well as how well he did play. I was just looking real quickly, so I might have might have done the math, the quick math wrong, but I think he had 63 threes after um, you know, the two losses. Uh, so starting with that Virginia Tech home game, so 63 threes over that stretch, which, you know, is just, uh, you know, remarkable in, in terms of that. So it's going to be a huge loss, but I think Puff, you know, can can slot in there, which will be important, which leads me to number two, going to Leaky Black. Um, you know, I think we all saw the improvement he made both offensively and defensively. I think Going into the season, he's obviously going to get the defensive accolades, and he definitely proved that the, the latter half of the year. But uh, you know, he he did prove he can make make shots offensively. But we also saw whether it was UCLA or or Duke or Kansas really play off of him even more than teams had before. Of you know, basically u- utilizing that man as a safety to either help down low or help somewhere. And once again having a shooter at the four with puff that makes it a little more challenging for teams to do, but if he can just improve that offensive ability, uh, you know, a little bit more, I think that can help the team tremendously as well, as well as making defensive play defenses play everybody straight up and even help him, you know, as from a professional standpoint in terms of how he's, he's viewed after next year. And then finally Dontre styles, you know, is the third one once again, because he could be playing that, for position as well, uh, hit the big Baylor three, um, you know, didn't shoot it that well, but wasn't, you know, wasn't shy to, to get a shot off. So I think those three are really the ones that we have to look at in terms of how can, how can the team look, uh, with four starters returning, but you're missing a huge, huge component in Brady Manic. How does the lack of, of Manic on the roster change Caleb's offense? Stay with you, Sean. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe that usage rate goes goes even higher a little bit, but at the same time, you know, with everybody else returning, hopefully we'll see kind of a slight reduction in, you know, whether it's Armando, Caleb, or RJ in their playing time. Um, and I think potentially see the offensive rating increase from from Caleb's perspective. But um, you know, if it if it is a guy that can shoot like Puff, I think it still gives him the open open lanes, but he's going to also have to develop that rapport where I think he had a really good one with, with Brady, where, I mean, we saw it in the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, a you know, you can't get a Brady on you, you might, you, you know, you basically think you can run back on, on defense. Um, so I, I think once again, it'll 
give him uh, probably even more control offensively, but I think it'll be big for him to establish that rapport with that new new starter very quickly as well. Sherrill, we're now looking at a complete 180 from where this team was uh, in, you know, in middle January, early February of this past season, where you and I did a post game, and we've talked about it on here before, after that Pittsburgh game, where we had zero expectations of this team even making the postseason. Well, now, after today's announcement, UNC is, by all accounts, going to be in everybody's top five, some people's top three, and even fewer folks' number one going into the year. How do you anticipate this staff is going to change or modify how they coach based on those expectations? Oh, I think they'll coach harder. Uh, I think last year there were probably times where they had to be a little gentle. Um, and I think Hubert Davis, I don't want to call it gentle, uh, but he's very positive. And so I think there were times that last year where, where maybe he didn't light into them um, in a way that he wanted to just because, to your point, he's still building a rapport with the team. He's a first-year head coach. Things weren't going great for a lot of time, but I think this year, and uh, Joey, we were talking about it offline, Jeff Markman made the point. It's kind of like you can say, okay, you know, March 1st through, you know, the championship game, that's who you are and that's the standard and anything less than that. And, you know, we're, we're going to have a conversation. So they know what's expected of them. There's no um, breaking in. There's no um, learning what each other does. There, there's none of that. There's, we've been there before we've been there together and now we're going to try and do it again. Obviously it's going to be different. Things aren't going to go the same. Uh, they're going to be new challenges, but they all kind of, I think have a better understanding of each other. And that comes from the Hubert Davis, you know, stopping by his office three times a week to talk about something other than basketball, but they have the rapport now. And so now it's just about going out and executing as, as opposed to kind of building the relationships and building the chemistry and learning a new system all at the same time. They don't have all that anymore. Yeah. We mentioned it on here too. I mean, it's, it's, he's got a test case now and he's got evidence where he can show, Hey, this works knuckleheads. Like, I don't know what you were before late February, but when calendar turned to March, this is who you guys were. And like you said, they can just point back to March one of this year and make everything work. Yeah. And the other thing too, Joey, like all this underdog stuff, uh, this magical Carolina run yeah. as an eight seed <laughs> and you know, the feisty guys from Chapel Hill, that stuff. Plucky, over. plucky. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is done. They are now kind of, uh, on, I don't want to say on top of the college basketball world, but a lot more is expected of them than last year. So I am curious to see how they will handle it. Uh, the one main curiosity I have, and maybe I shouldn't be wondering about this considering it's Hubert Davis and his energy is like, how do you get up for next year? How do you get up for Cleveland State on mm -hmm. December 11th? How do you get up for a game against, you know, no disrespect to Clemson, which means full disrespect to Clemson. But how do you get up for a Clemson game, you know, next February 9th when you've played in, you know, two of the biggest games in school history and you've done these amazing things and, you know, you've had it, you've building with 7,000 people that like 18 million people watched. Like, how are you going to be able to channel that and use that in games that, I want to say ultimately don't matter, but in the grand scheme of things don't matter. So that is my curiosity for this particular team is, are they going to be able, you can't expect them to keep the same level of intensity mm -hmm. they had against Duke in the final four or Kansas in the national championship game, but are they going to, is there going to be less variance? I guess is what I'm saying. Are they going to be able to keep themselves at, you know, 93% as opposed to going 65% one game and then 112 the next game. Like, can it just be a little more consistent considering, you know, all things considered? If nothing else, the fan base and Inside Carolina subscribers can go back to losing their minds the first time UNC loses a game they shouldn't lose. Um, I, I do I, I do love that, that you point this out, that it's kind of a concern, you know, how, how do you go into the season to maintain that energy level? The good news is, is that Hubert Davis has a full offseason now to try to think about that. You know, last year he was trying to get a team together and really probably couldn't even focus on his own guys until he got to the late fall or got to October. So the good news is for fans and, and I see folks that you guys can watch a coach now that has some experience and has his whole staff together that has the blessing of a full offseason that they can work on this while they're recruiting and while they're on vacations or whatever. 
Um, I want to take a quick second and and talk about something that Sherelle kind of got into there for a second. And with this being such a new thing, right? And when I say new thing, I mean the experience that UNC is going to bring back next year. Usually, teams that are successful in the NCAA tournament uh, for the longest periods of time have a good amount of upperclassmen on their roster. Uh, I haven't done the math, but I know this UNC roster is going to be littered with juniors and seniors next year, and not just juniors and seniors, but juniors and seniors that have now a very good amount of, of postseason experience, which they didn't have at all going into last season. One of the things we talked about on this show uh, probably six or eight weeks ago was that this team was no longer relevant nationally. Well, that has completely pivoted to now, as we were talking with Sherell just a second ago, this team is officially going from the hunter to the hunted. And I want to I go to you first, Sean. What does it do for building program depth when you have a situation now where all these kids that are coming in, you know, Washington and Nickel and Trimble uh, and Will Shaver, who took his redshirt year this past year, these guys have no expectations on them now. How does that help when you're developing a roster uh, at various positions to be cohesive and to be successful? I think it helps uh because you know going back to the middle of the season I, I know we were worried about this next year you know whether they make the tournament or don't make the tournament this year and perhaps Caleb and Armando decide to you know go leave leave Chapel Hill and then you're almost in a re another rebuild situation uh you know it's been really the last three full seasons where the team has not been ranked inside the top 25 uh for the really the whole season up until you know, the, the tournament run. So I think it'll be nice for fans, players, coaches, you know, to have kind of just that, that notoriety going throughout the season uh, rather than just kind of that, that three week, uh, three week period and, and kind of having UNC back in the, you know, national limelight of, of sorts, which obviously with the good comes the, the bad for any, for any loss or if they don't, if they don't play well, but in terms of the, you know, the freshmen, um, you know, I think it, it makes it a lot easier for them. And, you know, two years ago, we saw even as highly touted as, as uh, you know, all the guy, you know, Caleb and Dayron and, and everybody coming in, they struggled tremendously and had a lot on their plate, um, you know, and, and now you can have Trimble and, you know, Washington, if he gets healthy and, and Shaver now that he, he, you know, he's had a semester in the system, uh, the expectations are less. You can work them in, getting them time off the off the bench, and hopefully, kind of see that improvement little by little. And then, you know, for the next season, they're ready ready to play. I mean, I think Trimble still could potentially have a pretty uh, significant role off the bench uh, this year in terms of his his growth. But I think it it helps from a program standpoint where. Uh, you know, it's not kind of a constant churn and you're always just trying to chase, um, you know, for that one single year in focus uh, of chasing kind of a top 25 stature. But now you will have it fully, you know, throughout the season. And once again, you're kind of building that that constant uh, and steady uh, culture as well as kind of, a you know, the UNC program that can hopefully stay in the national national limelight with that, you know, year in and, and year out. Um, you know, succession of players. Sherelle, I want to kind of go the same direction with you, but if, if you could speak a little more towards what this does for for these incoming guys. I think Sean talked about how it's going to help their development and kind of take some of the pressure off of them. But in your mind, you've you've met these guys and worked with them or, or had followed them and have, have talked with them back and forth uh, prior to their commitments, during their recruitments, and since they've signed. Does that change anything for them? Do you see this being a big boon for the, for the program and having these guys come in? And do you think they'll adapt accordingly? Yeah, I think so. Um, all these guys, and I believe them when they say it because, uh, frankly, they're not, you know, the top, top 10, top 15 type kids right now. But they all talk about wanting to come in, do whatever coach asks, and try to help UNC get back and win a national championship. To a T. They've all said that over and over again. And I think their role next year, more than likely, will be to help get the the starters and the main guys, maybe outside of Trimble, to help get them prepared for games, knowing that, um, you know, the year after that, <laughs> as a quick aside, 
been saying like for the last three years, like, man, this is it. They're, they're going to lose a bunch of guys because that's the expectation. And then it doesn't happen. And it's like, okay, there's finality here. There's pressure on this team because this team will not look the same next year. And last here we incar- are. We team- said the last incarnation <laughs> of these dudes. You said that. Yeah, we yeah. said that. Everybody uh, agreed to that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. So now this, this core group of Leaky and Armando and RJ and Caleb is going to play like 110 games together, like something like that by the time next season, season is over. Maybe not quite 110, but over 100 by the time the season is over. Anyway, the point was is that um, they'll be much more ready to step into roles, as you said, as sophomores, assuming now there's a negative side to that too in having people come back is that people there's no penalty now if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not getting playing time this first year, I'm out. So that that is something to look out for as well. Not saying we've heard anything, but that's just human nature that, mm-hmm. you know, they have that ability now. Anyway, the larger point is, is that they don't have to contribute right away to your point, which helps build culture. Um, and then you have Armando and Caleb and RJ and Leaky teaching them about, okay, this is how things are done at UNC and, you know, on and on and on. And that, that kind of got lost really after I think Luke May, Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams left until now they kind of lost that where the, the, um, leaders from before were teaching the young guys and the young staying around. And then they were teaching the new young guys. So, um, it's a positive for Hubert Davis. It is definitely, um, foundational is, is the word that people have been using for what he hopes UNC will be moving forward. I can't help, but go back to his introductory press conference when he said, I want guys who are going to unpack their bags and damn, if he hasn't done it in one season. Right. And, and I, you know, people outside the program, other fan bases, people that are trying to tweet through their feelings on Twitter, whatever, they can, they can cast aspersions all they'd like to, but by the same token, Hubert Davis is, to your point, Sherelle, building a program and doing foundational things now uh, with, you know, having these guys want to come back and make another run at things and be more involved in, in the longer term of the program. It just, it's really... It's nuts to see considering what we were thinking going into this year and then most of this season. Go ahead. And now to to Sean's point again, there doesn't need to be a, a quote unquote rebuilding year the way mm-hmm. things have worked out. That was what we thought this year was going to be or this upcoming year was going to be because we all kind of thought that Armando and, and Caleb and Leakey would be gone. And so that was going to be the rebuilding. And then it's like, oh, well, after year two, with this freshman class and adding some guys in 2023, then they'll, you know, be closer to back. But now it seems like you kind of have a, a, I want to say seamless transition, but you'll have carryovers from this championship run and guys who play a lot next year coming back in two years, along with an infusion of talent, plus the guys who are freshmen this upcoming year will be more mature. So you you can kind of see now, okay, they've got a chance to put two or three, four good years together. Um, even with some unexpected losses, they still have that chance. So um, it's it's like you like you said, it's crazy where we are compared to where things we thought things were two months ago. It's so much positivity. Uh, I don't think sorry, I don't think Tar Heel fans can stand uh, what this last sixty days have been like, but I'm sure they'll get used to it. Something else that that really strikes me as positive um, are the deals of Johnny T-shirt. I mean, when when you think about like seeing these videos of players returning, you know, you see the Carolina blue, you see the logo, you see the Argyle, you think, man, I need to go get one of these guys' jerseys. How can I do that? Well, thanks to our friends at Johnny T-Shirt, you can actually get jerseys of a guy like Caleb Love, and he'll get to reap the rewards. That's right. Johnny T-Shirt has started to, uh, you know, started to get into the NIL name, image, and likeness game, and they have some of these shirts that you can purchase and actually help some of the players and allow some of those players to profit off of their own likeness. So if you're excited that some of these kids are coming back to school, go to Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, right there on East Franklin Street. Get your gear. Hit them up. Use uh, the extra 10% off that you get as a premium Inside Carolina subscriber off top of their already amazing prices. Shirts, hats, scarves. If you're a if you're a, a soccer or um, non-American football fan, they got the scarves there. Uh, whatever you want, Johnny T-shirt is the place for it. Go to Johnny T, hit them up, JohnnyT-shirt.com. We love them. We're very thankful that they sponsor this show and all Inside Carolina com- content. We hope you will check them out because they're just great folks. 
And we know great folks listen to this show. Great folks like to be around great folks. Go to Johnny T-shirt. We appreciate them. Take a quick break. Let some of the national guys um, come in here, pay their bills, all that good stuff. But you know what? Right after that, we will also, also, and this is this is what we like to call in the business a tease. We'll also hit you with a little, you know, a little, maybe some GG Jackson recruiting updates. Take a quick break. National guys going to pay the bills. We'll be right back in just one second with more Coast to Coast podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back on the Coast to Coast podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is officially that time. You've come to wait for this. You're expecting it. That is the GG Jackson recruitment update sound that you know we're about to talk about GG Jackson, which I know just warms Sherelle's heart, but I'm going to let Sherelle stay uh, in his corner for a second because I'm going to go to Sean first. Sean, you got a chance this past weekend to watch a lot of GG Jackson film. Uh, specifically, uh, there was a lot going on with the EYBL um, games. There was uh, the Adidas circuit, I believe, was in Spartanburg. Shout out to... You know, people that love Adidas's trash uniforms. Um, but there was a lot of ball being played in the AAU circuit this weekend. Sean, you got to watch a lot of it. Tell us what you saw from GG and how you feel uh, his game is continuing to evolve. And again, I want to reset for everybody. We've talked about the CP3 team that he plays for just doesn't run through him. They've got two amazing guards. GG is a third option if you want to look at it that way, which is insane for some for a kid that some people think could be the number one overall player in the 23 class. With that said, Sean, take it away, my man. Uh, well, well, definitely didn't get to watch as much as I, I would have liked, but was able to kind of uh, peek in uh, throughout the, the various Friday and Saturday games that he did have. And I think, you know, you, you can look at the stats and he averaged nine shots a game, uh, you know, which to your, your point, Joey, the team CP3 runs, runs through a guard through its guards. Um, and, and even, you know, through those games, there was, a decent amount of time where he didn't touch the ball on offensive possessions, or if he did touch it, it was, you know, a few dribbles on the perimeter and, and give it, give it back to the guards and, you know, you're not going to touch it again. Uh, but, you know, I think what you did see, I mean, he, he dominated on the boards. Every, every game was uh, double figures in rebounds. Um, and I, you know, that was something just from his, from his high school, obviously different competition, but you could kind of see the tenacity that he does have on the offensive boards and you know is he gonna replace what are what Armando is doing from day one certainly not but I think you, you do like to see that act already um, especially at a high level like the the EYBL uh, you know he did knock in a few threes um, you know had had a kind of you know a few fadeaways some to the baskets so he was kind of doing you know going to his strengths but once again I think uh, what we've talked about shooting is going to be the, the biggest uh, focus for him. Uh, and, you know, he has a quick release, he has range, so he, he's comfortable from that. Uh, so it was nice to see him uh, a few, especially when he was only getting one or two per game. Uh, so it's a little, you know, a little tighter uh, in EYBL than, than the high school scene. But overall, I thought it was a, a strong weekend for him. Um, and I think once again, it's now been uh, two 17 and under uh, weekends that he's he's played in, and I think um, overall, uh, when, you know, I think he showed a little bit in terms of the areas of improvement uh, for for when he does get to to college, and he 
he showed, you know, what he's comfortable at running the floor and, and rebounding. So overall it was a, a strong weekend for him, but still a ways to go, uh, especially when you're not kind of the go-to guy, which, you know, normally you kind of expect a top 10 prospect uh, to be that go-to guy on, on the AAU team. It just shows he can play in, in different styles. Sherell, this would not be a GG Jackson recruiting update without having you refresh us with the uh, the information that you have, which may be static um, or may not have changed. I know Jeff Borzello tweeted what you know inside Carolina has has felt for some time that GG Jackson will be committing sometime in the next week. Anything new there, or do you want to just share this so people stop texting you on the twenty four seven? Uh, <clears throat> nothing new. I would say, uh, commitment is imminent. The correct, uh, use of imminent this time, Joey, I know we've used it over the years. Um, and it's just a matter of him setting a date. Uh, he told us two weeks ago, he told us it was going to be last week. Um, and this weekend he told reporters at EYBL that it would 100% be this week. And, uh, it seems to be that that actually is going to take place. Um, I'm hesitating a little bit because we just don't know for sure, but it seems like there's more of a plan in place than there had been um, previously. So if uh, he does uh, announce the date to commit, obviously we will cover that and, and be down there. And if it goes the way that UNC hopes, then I'm sure we will do um, an emergency uh, commitment podcast if, if that were to happen. Um, again, the schools that he kind of has narrowed it down to um he had an official list of six at one point uh duke auburn unc georgetown i guess uh south carolina and then the g league so g league is not really a school but that was kind of the the final list and everything we've heard um he has never taken a visit to auburn um the georgetown situation i think isn't one in which he would want to walk yeah. into at this point um, South Carolina obviously was was very heavy in there when Frank Martin was the head coach, but he's since uh, gone to UMass. Um, and then Duke, um, you know, I, I I haven't heard as much about Duke lately. So if you had to guess, it would be between Duke, South Carolina, and North Carolina. All right. Well, for everybody who you know hears this and wants to think other things or whatever, my man said what my man said. You know. The, Sherelle's record, I think, speaks for itself, as does uh, Inside Carolina's. Uh, Rel Sean, uh, Sherelle, I'll go for you first. Zayden High, a guy that came in hot and heavy on the radar just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> do we feel like anything has has changed there? Um, he didn't play as well, uh, or I should say, shoot as well um, at uh, in Indianapolis because. Uh, the bit I was able to watch or, or the, the games I was able to watch, he still was making really good basketball plays, I thought. And um, there, were, there was a bit of, you can tell the confidence he has as well. Because at one point, uh, his team, JL3, John Lucas3 uh, from Texas, I forget who they're playing, but they were up by maybe three with about 40 seconds left, I think it was, Sean, maybe 50 seconds. We were kind of watching the game at the same time. And at that point, I believe he was 4 of 17 from the field. So not a great shooting performance, but they ran a play for him. Uh, he had a three from the corner, or excuse me, a three from the wing, and he knocked it down. And it, I, I texted Sean and said he took shot number 18 with the same confidence that he took shot number mm. one. Um, so that tells you that the kid, in spite of maybe not performing as well um, this past weekend, still really believes himself, and that's important. And, you know, again, um, you just don't find guys who even have some shooting ability um, like his at 6'10 often. So we'll see if North Carolina chooses to offer. Um, he is a big in, in 2023. Uh, you know, uh, it's good. I think they got to see him a second weekend as opposed to just the one weekend in Orlando. Sean, anything you want to add in about Zayden High? I mean, are they, are they going to beat – is Zayden High going to beat Bayside this year or no? Just just what, do you, what else do you want to add about – Um. I mean, I think Sherrill hit on it. I uh, was able to catch uh, pieces of, of his games throughout the weekend. I think he played pretty well on, on Sunday, which I did not see just looking at stats. But, uh, you know, when, when watching him, you know, he did seem fairly content to hang outside the three-point line uh, from from an offensive perspective. Not that there is anything wrong with that, as we, we saw last year. Um, he, he looked like a guy that will, will probably spend – 
uh, a few years in college, which once again is probably what a college team team would like, um, you know, rather than, you know, unless they are going to be, uh, you know, impact player one and done um, type guy. But, uh, you know, I think he, he came in week one, you know, set the world on fire, got a lot of attention. It's hard to kind of play at that level two weeks in a row, um, you know, but he did hit some big shots when he had the, had the chance and, and finished up strong on, on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see how the UNC staff approaches him going forward. Uh, Sherell, before we get to uh, kind of some final tidbits on who UNC's coaching staff watched this weekend, hey, huge shout out to the Syndicate, which if they're not the best AAU team name that's out there right now, they were a <laughs> phenomenal hip hop album produced by Swiss Beats in 1999. Um, but uh, Sherell and I always have these offline jokes about names for these teams. And uh, in one of his write-ups for Inside Carolina this past weekend, which if you're curious – Whenever I see covers these things, they do a great job of giving updates from Travis and Eric Bossy and actual Inside Carolina correspondents that are that are on site there. Uh, Sherelle dropped a note in there about the syndicate. I had to actually just reach out to him directly because it blows my mind at some of these team names. All right, I'll stop being old and you guys can come back on my lawn now. Uh, Sherelle, who else did the staff watch this past weekend of note and why is it noteworthy? So not a UNC staff note, just to be clear, but the syndicate has a player named Aiden Sherelle. So obviously they're my favorite team. Family they have a player named Sherelle. Yeah. And, and their name is the syndicate. See, I think mission impossible when I think the syndicate, but anyway. do they, do they know any, um, let me ask you, does, does anybody on the syndicate know anything about Bruce and Mickey's? <laughs> no, they do not. No. Okay. No. All right. Go ahead. please. Uh, so, so the USC staff, I, I think they, they were at three different events this weekend, which um, for the first live period. So for those who don't know, and if you're listening to this, you probably do know, real quick so the three main circuits are under armor adidas and nike the shoe companies have their own circuits that they finance and everything and there's teams and they have leagues and they play games so um they typically do them during the live period so that coaches can come watch their guys so the first one uh unc stayed at nike all three days you get basically a a 48-hour window to watch games and unc was at nike the whole time because that's where the majority of their targets are this time they had one assistant, um, Brad Frederick, who went to Under Armour for I think like a night or two, maybe, um, just to watch a couple of guys and, and at least put eyes on some of the Under Armour kids. That right now is probably the the third circuit as far as talent. Uh, Jeff Lebo, assistant coach Jeff Lebo, was in Spartanburg I think the whole weekend, and there are a few guys uh, that he watched from a UNC perspective. But I think the biggest is Paul McNeil, who plays for Garner Road in 2024. Um, if you're thinking about potential offer candidates, he's probably high on the list. Um, and then uh, Sean May and Hubert Davis, I think, spent all their time at EYBL. And Frederick eventually uh, went to EYBL as well, EYBL as well, because that's where, again, Gigi Jackson is there, uh, Simeon Wilcher, their, their 2023 commit, as well as their two 2024 offers, Jaron Stevenson and Cam Scott. Uh, so a lot of just making sure that uh, they're looking at their guys and, and, and uh, offered players. But then there are other players as well that you can see in the thread um, on the premium board who they talk to or who um, uh, maybe they're starting to pay a little more attention to. And there's some trends that we'll, we'll hopefully share over the next week or so that we've noticed uh, specific, specifically with one position for a particular class. Uh, so we'll, we'll have that out hopefully later this week. All right. We appreciate you previewing that. Uh, but again, I can't stress enough. If you guys want to find out what's going on on these showcase weekends, there's always a thread at the top of the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Boards where you get updates, you know, almost hourly from from IC's folks who were there. Sean, you got a chance to watch a little bit of the uh, the uh, CP3 versus New York Rens game, which featured uh, Simeon Wilcher. Any any thoughts there about how that game went for Wilcher? Well, well, first, um, you know, I, I, it was great following that thread over the weekend because yeah you know i was trying to juggle uh, a variety of things so it was was checking in the live stream when i can but when i was on my phone just was refreshing the the thread and there was numerous posters that were watching other games and, and posting updates and things of that nature so it, it it almost felt like i was i was there which was great to great to read um in terms of that game it was his uh it was uh, wilcher's first aau game back i believe since sherelle saw him in orlando uh, when he, when he was injured, uh, and, you know, there was some, 
some good moments. I think he finished with six, you know, six or seven assists. Uh, you could see kind of just that the quickness he does have when, when making decisions and, and hitting, you know, hitting the bigs or other, other wings um, in scoring position. Uh, struggled shooting, shooting the ball in, in both games. Um, you know, he did attack the basket, uh, especially in that CP3 game a few times that, that were pretty nice, but uh, overall it was kind of a rough uh, return for him, but, you know, I don't, I don't think anything to worry about. It, it's always hard coming back from an ankle injury, especially when you miss, you know, if he was hundred percent, he would have probably would have played those four full games. Uh, but I think you could definitely see the height that he does have towering over a lot of the other, the other guards uh, when he was there this weekend. And, you know, once again, coming from where he did play high school, NJ.com's player of the year, you know, I don't think there's anything too much to worry about uh, right now with, with just two, two, you know, subpar games coming off an injury, but I think it'll be good to track how he does in the May EYBL events, which are not open to coaches. Uh, but then uh, kind of going into the, once again, the July life periods where everybody will be back. And, Joey, let me jump in. Uh, that was the last chance to, to Sean's point. That's the last chance for coaches to see guys play until the scholastic evaluation periods, which means they, they're playing with their high schools in mid to late June. There are two of those in June. So um, anything that the coaches see is going to be via live stream or uh, yeah, via live stream pretty much is their only option or, or you know, tape or something like that. Um, so that's why it was important in April for these guys to kind of show what they have because they're not going to get another offer or uh, chance or a chance to show what they can do directly in front of the coaches where the coaches can kind of see every little piece of the game. And, you know, they're not looking on their screen, trying to figure out where the camera's going, where they're actually in it. Um, that won't, that, there's no chance for that for another two months. So really important. And I think uh, Sherelle mentioned this after the Orlando EYBL, but just, you know, with that, with that March run kind of, UNC just once again back in the national limelight and and kind of almost with a swagger to it like they did when the did win the championship and when watching that the Ren CP3 game uh you know you saw Wilcher's dad who is a very vocal vocal guy but he was manning the sidelines and a big cam camo you know North Carolina North Carolina gear um and I think you know right now you know it's cool to to rep Carolina stuff again after you know maybe maybe years they, they weren't in kind of that that top you know echelon from a brand perspective but I think with what they did this year uh as well as even you know with with Wiltshire in the fold and focusing on Gigi you know they definitely kind of seem to have that swagger back you know just in in general clearly Simeon Wiltshire's dad has been listening to this show and hitting up Johnny t-shirt clearly <laughs> Like, I can't see how there would be any other way he would have such fresh threads on the sidelines of his son's game. Uh, Sherelle, and last thing before we, uh, before we close up shop, tell our listeners why uh, New York Rens are an important program and why North Carolina fans should know about New York Renaissance. Uh, if I'm thinking correctly, it's because it's also this, the team of RJ Davis. That's right. Uh, North Carolina, uh, Hubert Davis actually watched him going back okay so going back it was april of 2019 i think mm -hmm. um avengers endgame no avengers <laughs> i love that you War, build it around you build it around avengers movie releases <laughs> yeah I, it was in game anyway it was one of the two and i always that was like my little tradition that after the saturday night of eybl i would go see whatever the new avengers or marvel movie was anyway the point is is that hubert davis was there in atlanta that weekend and rj davis was playing rj Hinton, uh, who eventually you know, went overseas and then got drafted first round. And Davis hit like eight threes. RJ Davis hit like eight threes mm -hmm. and Hebrew Davis saw it. And that was the genesis of his UNC recruitment. And so it's nice that they kind of now, you know, here we are, mm -hmm. you know, Hebrew Davis and, and RJ Davis now running it back with, you know, probably a preseason top five team. So um, that is why you should know the, the New York brands is because that is the, the AU team of RJ Davis. And another one in the pipeline on the way to, to UNC. All right, guys, uh, have I missed anything? Is there anything that we need to hit before we get out of here, Sean? No, I think uh, I think we're good. I mean, the only other thing is, you know, I think you look at some of the guys that didn't play a lot from a, a Walton to a Dunn to a Styles, and I think in a lot of other programs, you probably would have seen them transfer out. Um, and I think, I guess, you know, it really speaks to what Hubert has built uh, – 
you know, over this, this past year for them to, to want to stay and be a part of, of the team, especially with everybody now that we know is coming back. So it'll be exciting this summer, uh, much more exciting than probably the past past few ones we've had just to talk about the team. So looking forward to dissecting them, you know, as we go. Sherelle, anything you want to leave before we, uh, before we hit the road tonight? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, the, the transfer portal doesn't officially close until May. So we think we have a good beat on how things are going to turn out, but you know, stranger things have happened. So I, I don't want to lock in the roster until May 1st. Not mm. This is not inside knowledge or anything. This is just, you know, sometimes life happens, stuff happens, and unexpectedly, you know, things happen. So uh, May 1st, at the first lock in the roster, you can yeah. talk about it and you can go to town. Uh, but I'm, I'm just kind of waiting until May to do that. And the other thing, I wanted to give a shout out to Taylor Bergfeld. Uh, he helped us out a ton this weekend, was up at yeah. uh, EYBL Indianapolis, helping to send updates and everything. So, Taylor, thank you very much. Uh, shout out. Absolutely. Good stuff. And want to make sure that, uh, that Taylor gets his due propers from this group to the listeners of this show and viewers of the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, hey, look, I, I've said it before recently. If you are not subscribed to Inside Carolina's podcast, you, I'm going to tell you, like my grandma used to say, you a fool. Um, and she wouldn't say that a lot, but if you did something dumb, you would get the F O O L dropped on you real quick. So make sure you don't, uh, you don't upset my late grandma and, and don't disturb her spirit by being a fool and not being subscribed to inside Carolina's podcast, man, for the sake of all that, which is sacred subscribe rate review us. We appreciate it as always. Thanks for being here. Shout out to Johnny t-shirt for sponsoring shout out to John Siegley for producing, but for Sherelle McMillan and for Sean Moran. And everybody else at the Inside Carolina family, I'm Joey Powell. We will talk at you sometime in the very near future. Late. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bam! The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC.